Welcome to Eagle Brook Church. Merry Christmas. I hope you're having a fantastic Christmas season. Over the last few weeks, we've been in a series called Burn the Ships, looking at some of the things in our lives that we need to indeed let go of. We've looked at letting go of our old life and what we used to do. Uh, we've looked at uh, letting go of past mistakes. We've also looked at uh, letting go of people-pleasing, which was my favorite week. Uh, we've also uh, looked at letting go of what we knew and the things that we were familiar with. And today, I want us to consider what it would look like for you and me to let go of unforgiveness, which is convenient considering who's getting ready to come to your house <laughs> and perhaps whose house you may be getting ready to go to. It's interesting, isn't it? How some of us enjoy the holidays and some of us endure the holidays. <laughs> Have you ever had somebody say, happy holidays? <laughs> and for you, it's anything but happy <laughs> because we're often forced to navigate particularly in this season, relationships we spend most of the year ignoring. So what's supposed to be a season filled with joy, decor, and lights, and music, and company parties, and gifts that you can't wait to return, like it ends up being a season of navigating the minefield of family dynamics, and perhaps grudges. Some of our grudges are light. Uh, sometimes we hold a grudge against uh, a friend who's always late, right? But they consistently are on their way. They just get out the shower, but they're on their way. And, and then we can get a little grudge over that. Or perhaps there's somebody in your family who, who still owes you money, okay? And it's interesting, uh, when somebody owes you money, but they got enough money to buy gifts for other people, it's amazing. You pay attention to every transaction in their life when they owe you money. These are little grudges, but then there are bigger grudges, right? Now, bigger grudges typically involve more significant events or deeper emotional wounds, often stemming from betrayal, disrespect, or even harm. Now, these grudges can linger for years, sometimes even a lifetime. And they can significantly impact our relationships. I would dare to even say that these situations can actually impact our, our faith. It could be a betrayal by a close friend or partner. Uh, maybe it's uh, some family feuds, not the fun ones with Steve Harvey. Maybe a, a business betrayal, a colleague taking credit for your work stabbing you in the back for a promotion or sabotaging your career, all of these things can result in a significant grudge. Maybe it was a mom who left, a dad that never showed up, harassment, enduring a, a racist or sexist comment, bullying, a violation of trust. Now, it takes years to gain trust and just moments to lose it right? Um, I read this statement on X, the artist formerly known as Twitter. Okay, I saw this tweet, um, and it really resonated with me because it said, I'm not mad that you lied. I'm mad that I can't trust you anymore. Ever been there? H have you ever used the words, 
between you and me. And whatever you said didn't stay between you and them. What I've come to understand, whether you're a, a Christian or not, is that you and I have been through a lot of things that can be extremely difficult to let go of. I had a friend tell me the other day that they lost a nephew who was just a baby due to a medical malpractice. And as tears streamed down their face, they said, I'm just so mad because it could have been avoided if the medical staff had just done their job right. And I just don't know if I will ever get over it. There are some things that happen in our lives and relationships that leave scars. But the good news this weekend about offenses, about hurts, and about pains is that God has a plan on how to deal with them. And God has a plan for how we can let them go. Uh, in Matthew chapter 18, one of Jesus' disciples asked Jesus about forgiveness. And Jesus, he says this. He says, therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like a king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. And then Jesus goes on to tell a story about a king and two servants. Now, in this story, one servant owed the king what the scripture describes as 10,000 talents. Okay, a talent was worth about 20 years of a day laborer's wage. I'll do quick modern day math for all of us. It's about $3.8 billion, okay? The point of the story is that this debt was unrepayable for the servant to this king. But instead of punishing the servant for not being able to pay this debt, he showed him mercy because he asked for it. Then um, there was a second servant in this story who owed the first servant some money. And he went to him to collect this debt, but he didn't have the money, and the first servant throws the second servant in jail. And when everyone found out, they told the king. And then Jesus tells us this part of the rest of the story. It says, then the master called the servant in. You wicked servant, he said. I canceled all that debt of yours because you begged me to. Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I had on you. When Jesus came to the planet and started making God-like claims, the natural question people would have would be, okay, if you're the son of God, then tell us what your dad's like. <laughs> tell us what the kingdom of heaven is like. Tell us what it's like in your house. I can tell you what it was like in my house growing up. So my parents were older when I was born. Um, my father was 50 years old when I was born. And so there was always a, a pretty large gap, a five-decade gap, in case you're not good at math, between me and, and my parents. And unfortunately, when I was in the fifth grade, my father suffered from a stroke. 
and lost his ability to drive. So by the time I turned 16 and got a license, I became my dad's official Uber driver to take him wherever he wanted to go. And that really wasn't a big deal because my dad typically only wanted to go to one place and one place alone. My dad only wanted to go to Walmart, okay? My dad loved Walmart, okay? He ate lunch at Walmart. He worked out at Walmart. He took meetings at Walmart. He would be there for hours, okay? So what I had to master was turning field trips into quick trips when taking my parents to Walmart. So I'll never forget surprising my parents in Atlanta one day, and I walked through the door, and I said, surprise! But that's it. Ryan! It's great to see you. Want to go to Walmart? I'm like, all right, come on, kid. Like, let's go. Let's pack up the parents. I put them in this rental vehicle, and we head on over to Walmart. Now, what I have figured out about going to Walmart with my parents is you have to park in the hazard section, okay? Let your parents know I'm in a hazardous situation. I need y'all to hurry up. I cannot sit here all day. My parents said, no problem. We'll be right back. 45 minutes later, my mother walks out of Walmart with two items. She has some laundry detergent and some lotion. I said, Mom, it took you 45 minutes to get two items? By the way, where's Dad? She said, I lost him. I said, you lost Dad? <laughs> Mom, stay right here. Don't go nowhere. I immediately began searching for my lost father up and down the aisles at this Walmart. And I'm thinking to myself, this man's cart better be full of stuff for the amount of time we have spent in this establishment. I found my dad in the medicine aisle, and he had two items in his cart, a two liter of ginger ale and a Snickers bar. I said, I'm about to blow this place up. Dad, what in the world is going on, bro? Like, what are you doing? Are you serious right now? We have been here 90 minutes, and our family unit has retrieved four items. I'm embarrassed right now. Like, Dad, what are you doing? And I'm honest to God, I'm not making this up. This is exactly what my father said to me with a straight face. He says, I'm looking for your mother. I said, I'm going to kill somebody. <laughs> I said, are you serious right now? Dude, we got to go. She's outside. We've been here for two hours for no reason. I buy his items. We, we start to head outside. And, and you already know the rest of this story. My mama is gone, okay? She has stolen my rental car, which is illegal. She should be arrested. I call her, no answer. I call her again, no answer. My dad looks at me and he says, I thought you said your mother was out here. And then took a bite of his Snickers bar. I said, I, I'm about to lose it right now. 30 minutes later, my mom pulls back up with a smile on her face. I said, Mom, where have you been? She says, I got thirsty. <laughs> so I drove to a gas station down the street to get something to drink. I said, Mom, we're at Walmart. <laughs> Growing up, there were just some things in my house that I had to overlook. Jesus, when he paints a picture of his house, he's going, hey, in our house, we let go of stuff. Whatever it is we believe someone else owes us, even if it's an apology, yeah, in our house, 
we let that go. At our house, we overlook fault. At our house, we forgive. Now, that may be far from what things are like at your house. But I just believe that today can be different if you want it to be. I think you and I can burn the ship of unforgiveness. And I think it's going to require us to make three decisions. Three decisions that I believe that we can make that can help us truly walk in forgiveness. The first decision I believe that you and I have to make is we have to decide on what kind of people we want to be. We have to decide on what kind of people we want to be. I love what the Apostle Paul encouraged the church in Ephesus to do. Here's what he says. He says, get rid of all bitterness, rage and anger, brawling and slander, along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ God forgave you. He he didn't urge them to forgive because it's a nice idea. He urged them to forgive because it was given to them first by God. Forgiveness begins with God. And then we take what we've been given and we pass it out to other people. And I want us to consider this weekend what it would look like for us to be the kind of people who actively get rid of all bitterness. I want us to consider what it would look like to be people who are kind and compassionate to one another and truly walk in forgiveness. And it doesn't necessarily mean that you completely move on from what they did, but it does mean that you refuse to let what they said or what they did keep you from being the kind of person that you know God has called you to be. I actually believe that the first step in walking in forgiveness is honestly deciding that you actually want to forgive them. I think saying it out loud really helps. I think there's something powerful about a person that makes a decision to say out loud, I want to forgive. I don't want to be mad at you the rest of my life. I don't want to treat people like this. I mean, maybe, maybe your dad left when you were a kid. And, and, and what if you just said out loud, I, I don't want to treat people as if they're already got one foot out the door. I want to trust people. I want to love people. I want to be a forgiving person. And I just got to tell you this weekend, it's possible. It's possible. I I have to ask you this question this weekend. What what kind of person do you want to be? What kind of person do you want to be? If you want to be a forgiving person, I just want you to know I believe it's possible. There's a power of Jesus Christ. The Apostle Paul says, hey, if you're looking for inspiration and strength to forgive, just remember what Jesus Christ did for you that you did not deserve. I want to encourage you to 
forgive them, not because they deserve it. I want to encourage you to forgive them because you didn't deserve it. You want to know what's interesting about unforgiveness? You want to know what's interesting about bitterness? Is it can make you walk in a room and accuse people of crimes before they even commit them. I call it being pre-offended, okay? Pre-offended. Have you ever been pre-offended? Like you're about to have an encounter with a family member, maybe an in-law. They haven't even said anything. They haven't even done anything. But somehow you're already offended at the thought of them. You're offended and by what you assume they're going to do. You're pre-offended. You're pre-mad, okay? Like, like their passive aggression has yet to ring your doorbell. Nevertheless, you are in a state of pre-offense at the thought of how they're going to respond to your food or in some cases your lack thereof. Uh, you, have you ever gotten pre-offended with a coworker? Have you ever gotten pre-offended with a spouse, pre-offended with your kids, a teammate, a, a classmate. Here, here's what I think is just so awesome about our God. He's the exact opposite. One of my favorite quotes comes from Philip Yancey, where he says, God took a great risk by announcing forgiveness in advance. Think about that for a second. God took a great risk by announcing forgiveness in advance. Before you ever commit another wrong in your life, God's forgiveness has been announced and made available to the entire world. The apostle Paul, he said it like this. He says, but God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. This is good news for anyone with a lot of mistakes in their rearview mirror. It's even better news for anyone who's got some mistakes in their future. God has already made up his mind about what he's going to do with our sins before we even commit them. Here's the good news for everybody. Did you know that you are pre-forgiven? God put his forgiveness on the table for you in advance, knowing you need it. While you may not have made up your mind about God, he has made up his mind about you, and he wants you to receive his forgiveness today. Can you imagine if you and I copied and pasted that into our lives, in our relationships? Can you imagine if you and I made a decision to be the kind of person that says, I'm going to look at the people in my neighborhood and the people in my small group and in my classroom and in my office and fully realize they are going to offend me and they're going to hurt me at some point in the journey. But before they do, I've already decided the kind of person that I'm going to be. And I've made a decision that I'm actually going to put myself in a posture that lets it go before it happened. Now, some of you, you might be thinking, well, Ryan, it, it depends on what they do. <laughs> it depends on what they say. And maybe they cross the line. And, and let's just say it's egregious 
I get that. But I, I have a feeling that if we wait for the moment, if we wait to see what the crime is to decide how we're going to respond, I think it'll be too late to be the kind of person that we actually want to be. I don't think we just have to decide the kind of people we want to be. I think, number two, we actually have to decide whose code we're going to live by. Uh, families have codes that they live by, right? Uh, there are often these uh, policies that their family created over the years. Don't sit in dad's special chair. If you break it, you buy it. You know, stuff like that. Uh, friendship circles have codes that they live by. Now, in college, we called it bro code, okay? It was an unwritten and sometimes spoken set of rules that govern the way that we friended each other. Now, for some, they live by a code that writes people off that have hurt them, that writes people off that disagree with them. It's a code that they live by. But I, I have to say, if you're a Jesus follower... We're called to live by the Jesus code, which is so counterculture to what most of us naturally want to do. Here's just a glimpse into the Jesus code. Luke 17 says this, then he said to the disciples, it is impossible that no offenses should come, but woe to him through whom they do come. Take heed to yourselves. If your brother sins against you, rebuke him. And if he repents, forgive him. And if he sins against you seven times in a day, and seven times in a day returns to you saying, I repent, you shall forgive him. In another part of the gospel in Matthew chapter 18, Jesus famously revealed another part of his code with 70 times seven being the amount of times one should forgive someone who sins against them. So that's 490 times. And then in this passage, we get seven times in a day. I love Jesus, but this seems and feels very extreme. And it was so extreme. This is how his disciples responded. <laughs> and the apostles said to the Lord, increase our faith. <laughs> I mean, they're going like, I need more faith to pull off what you're saying, Jesus. And the scripture says, so the Lord said, if you have faith as a mustard seed, you can say to this mulberry tree, be pulled up by the roots and be planted in the sea, and it would obey you. A mulberry tree was very difficult to uproot. And Jesus makes that illustration and connects it to needing faith to uproot unforgiveness. In other words, Jesus agrees with you that this is hard. Letting go of pain is hard. Forgiveness is hard. But faith allows you to do the thing that you've tried to do that you may have believed is impossible. And that's moving on. I think we'll all stay mad if we don't have the belief that we have a better future. I think we'll all Stay mad if we believe that they stole something from us that we can't get back. 
And you see, bitterness puts you in a position to have no peace, to have no joy, to have no life. But faith gets you up in the morning, looking forward. Not because you have a job you love. Not because you have a ton of money. Not because you're in a relationship with the person of your dreams. No, that's all external. But faith allows you to look forward because of something that's going on on the inside of your soul. The hardest thing for a Jesus follower is loving like they've never been hurt and believing like they've never been disappointed. Because for us to live by the Jesus code, we're going to need to respond how the disciples did with a request for an increase of faith. If it was easy, well, (laughs) we wouldn't need God for it, right? I think that's why you came this weekend. I think that's why you turned this message on this weekend. Because if you're honest, the code you've been living by hasn't been helping your relationships get better. Imagine what your life and your relationships could look like if you tried the Jesus code and gave your unforgiveness to God. I don't think you're just checking a box this weekend and just going to church. I think God wants to do something inside of your soul. The last decision that I think we need to make if we're going to be people who let go of unforgiveness is I believe that we have to decide who needs to get invited back to the table. We have to decide who needs to get invited back to the table. I I think one of the hard parts about forgiveness is really knowing how far to take it, even with the Jesus code. But I I believe we should be generous with forgiveness and truly discerning with reconciliation. Scripture's clear. Forgiveness is demanded. Trusting again is optional. Being in their life again is optional. And I believe that there are some times where we have to forgive someone who's up close and personal. Maybe we share a bedroom with this person. Maybe they live down the hall. I also believe there are times where we actually have to forgive someone from a distance where boundaries need to be put up. How do you know when forgiveness should also mean reconciliation? Prayer. And a lot of it. And I wish it was black and white. I wish it was just so clear. But it's not. But I will tell you this. I do believe with all of my heart, that it's possible for people who haven't spoken to each other in over a decade to be reconciled back together. So if there's someone in your life, you're thinking, no way, no how, not them. I would say that there could be a lot of reasons that you're right. And you'd say it's impossible for you guys to ever speak to one another. And maybe you're right. But I just want you to know this weekend 
God specializes in the impossible category. It's his thing. And I would just ask that you would be open to what God wants to do in that relationship. And walking in forgiveness and being whole, I also believe can happen without ever having a conversation with them. But I do have to wonder what God might want to do through you for them. One of the moments I saw this in Scripture uh, is with Saul and David. David and Saul, if you don't know a whole lot about them, they had a nasty rivalry that inevitably cost hundreds of men their lives. And, and the Old Testament story is predominantly about Saul trying to kill David. Now, this, situa this is a situation where I would tell David, for your safety, you might want to forgive Saul from a distance. And at one point in this story, uh, Saul actually dies in battle. And the scripture, well, it says this in 2 Samuel chapter 3, it says the war between the house of Saul and the house of David lasted a long time. David grew stronger and stronger, while the house of Saul, well, it, it grew weaker and weaker. You would think this would be the season in David's life where he might actually rejoice in the fact that he's the victor in this very long feud. But then, six chapters later, it, it, it actually says this. It says, David asked, is there anyone still left of the house of Saul to whom I can show kindness for Jonathan's sake? Now he's in a place where the house of Saul is getting weaker and weaker, and he could have just stayed bitter and bitter. But now he's at a place where he's actually looking for someone left to be kind to. And there was one left, a young boy named Mephibosheth. Good luck spelling that. Who had gotten in an accident in Scripture and was disabled. And he was actually considered a lesser than in this society. But 2 Samuel 9 verse 6 says, when Mephibosheth, see we spelled it for you, thank you, um, son of Jonathan, the son of Saul, came to David, he bowed down to pay him honor. David said, Mephibosheth, at your service, he replied, don't be afraid, David said to him. For I will surely show you kindness for the sake of your father, Jonathan. I will restore to you all the land that belonged to your grandfather, Saul. And watch this line. I just love it. And he says, and you always eat at my table. And the scripture then goes on to say, so Mephibosheth ate at David's table like one the king's sons. So Mephibosheth ate at David's table like one of the king's sons. He says, hey man, you're like family to me. You're not just a guest. No, no, no. You're like one of mine. David took forgiveness to a whole new level. And I just, I, I have to wonder if there's anybody in your life that you need to pray about inviting back to the table. 
I think you should pray about it. And maybe the boundaries need to remain and forgive them from a distance. But maybe you need to pray about reconciliation. I think we all have a relationship, some way, shape, or form, that we need to be praying about this weekend. Six years ago, unfortunately, uh, my father passed away. And do you know what I would give to hear one more time? Want to go to Walmart? And I'd park like a normal person. And I'd go in with him and say, take your time. Let's get our steps in together today. I'm encouraging you to forgive the person who hurts you today because you may not have the opportunity to do so tomorrow. You know, since my father passed, I see all my relationships differently. I see time differently. And I think life is too short to stay bitter. So I gotta ask you this weekend, is there anybody in your life that you need to forgive? Who's the person that this entire message you've been thinking? Anybody but them. I'm just imagining not what forgiveness would do for them. I'm just imagining what forgiveness would do for you. My friends, I believe we have some decisions to make today. I think that you and I have to decide the kind of people we want to be, the code in which we're going to live by, and whether or not we're going to invite some people back to the table. You may not like where things are for you today. And I know today's response could be, Ryan, we, we can't just decide to be a different person tomorrow. Maybe. But I do believe that we can decide to try to live like Jesus tomorrow. And I think it starts with actually wanting our future to be different. And I just believe that yours can be. So would you pray about making a tough phone call today? Maybe text them, email them, DM them. You may not have spoken to them in a long time. But could it get worse? You're already not on speaking terms. What are you going to do? Speak less? I mean, you got to try something. I mean, you can't control if they pick the phone up. But you can control the kind of person that you want to be. Burn the ships. Don't let unforgiveness get a vote in your life. Perhaps the bigger decision that you need to make this holiday season is making the ultimate decision to receive the forgiveness of God for yourself in order to be able to extend it to someone else. I was talking on forgiveness one day and a, a guy walks up to me after and he goes, man, I'm thinking about it, all right? I'm thinking about it. You, you got me thinking today. I'm not there yet, but... I, I, 
You gave me something to, to think about. Great. You are one step closer to finding wholeness in Jesus Christ. And maybe today you want to take it even further. Maybe today you want to take that next step. and Say, you know what, Ryan? I want to surrender my life to Jesus Christ today. If you've never taken that step of faith by making a decision to follow Jesus before, uh, I'm going to lead us in a prayer. And I believe that at every location and for our friends that are watching online, many people for the first time, maybe for the second, are going to pray a, a prayer of salvation. So would you join me as we pray? Father, I thank you so much for sending your one and only son to die on a cross for us. That is what this season is all about. And Lord, we surrender. We surrender our past mistakes. We surrender our pain. We surrender our hurt. Because you died on a cross for those things. You want to take those things on for us. And so we surrender our life to you and truly receive your forgiveness so that we can be in a position to extend it to other people. We make you the Lord and Savior of our life. And we pray that our future would be different than our past. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Hey, if you prayed that prayer today, I think it's one of the best decisions you've ever made in your life. And if you did, would you consider texting the word BEGIN to the number 77888? Again, that's BEGIN to the number 77888 because we want to help you in that journey of faith. And we're going to send you 12 weeks of resources to help you grow in your faith. And for the rest of us, my hope and prayer is that through this holiday season, we would be the kinds of people that truly burn the ship of unforgiveness. Uh, our prayer team will be down here at the front. We would love to join you in prayer, and we hope to see you at one of our many Christmas services, and Merry Christmas from Eagle Brook Church. Have a great weekend.